Interestingly, the word Shemais translates as names. But yet, the English translation, when they use the, the names of the books, of five books of Teda, Bereshis is Genesis, and Shemais is Exodus. Vayikra is Leviticus, Midbar Numbers, and Veramek never pronounced Deuteronomy or something like that. Um, yeah, it makes me laugh every time I try to say it. <coughs> the interesting how the translations play into the actual existence of the parish of the Chumash. Shemais, Chumash Shemais, as we've said many times, I think we've said it at least two, three times, we spoke about the first Pasuk of Shemais. Shemais B'nai Yisrael Abayim. First four letters are an acronym, are if taken the first, first four letters of the word, we get the word Shivya, which is captivity. The Eden now went into captivity as the Egyptian rule as changed its, its opinion to the Jewish nation and they, the ruler as the person says it Shochach as Yosef Yochim HaLachodesh Mitzrayim, a new king stood up and forgot Yosef how rare how rare could that possibly happen? He forgot him, or he wanted to forget him, or he made as if he forgot him. Whatever the case might have been. Mitzrayim was on the precipice, on the brink of going bust. There were seven years of hunger. And these seven years of hunger had food. Nobody liked, but he had what they needed. Who was the hero? This fellow named Joseph. It's not documented that Tzofnas Baneach came into power. It's not documented discussing the whole idea of Tzofnas Baneach. What's documented? Yosef. Yosef was given, he was, became the viceroy. Yosef was second in command. Yosef was in charge of all the food situation through the seven of plenty and the seven, and the seven years of hunger. And the nation survived. The Cheda, even in days of yesteryear, a hero had a shrine set up for him. 
had a building or a city named after him, a street at least. Asher the Yodas Yosef. He did not know Yosef. Within the first pasuk, we've spoken different combinations of words that tell us how the actual Geula took place. So although the beginning Pasuk starts off Shivya, of captivity, the Pasuk still has the redemption within it, telling us how we're going to be redeemed from the Gullus. But the forgetting of Yosef, the birth of Meshe Rabbeinu, are intertwined. There's a connection in which these two things take place in this parsha. Teda does not have any coincidence. Teda is not a storybook. Teda is a Lashon Heirah. The difference between Hanhagas Yehudi and Hanhagas Hagoi. The difference between the behavior of a non-Jew and a Jew. I'm not looking to put down anybody. I'm not looking to make anybody look in a bad light. I'm not looking to speak derogatorily about any kind of sect or nation. I simply want people to understand the way of education that's ingrained within the Jewish people, within the Jewish nation. Ingrained because this is how the Torah teaches us, dictates our life should be. There are seven mitzvahs, there are seven Noahide laws that one needs to keep if they're not Jew. But the laws of a Jew and the anhog and the behavior of a Jew is as far superior as we are Atavachatar Mikhlam, we are the chosen nation. We've spoken before about Mesha Rabbeinu. Why was he called Mesha Rabbeinu and not Rabbeinu Mesha? Our teacher, our master Mesha. Why Mesha our teacher? When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, he was not given the name Moshe by his bris, which was late, whatever, he was a primi. Different days in the Gemara, if his name was Toiv or Tuvia, different opinions. However, unlike Yosef, was given a name Tzofnas Parneach and never used it again. Moshe stayed with the name Moshe. Where did he get the name Moshe? Bas Pari. Pari's daughter gave him the name Moshe. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Therefore, she named him Moshe. Is it an Arab name? No. Obviously not. It's a name that the Jewish nation continues to carry. 
But Mesha, although that was not the name he was given by his bris, insisted on being called that name. Why? Because every time someone mentioned the name, he had a lesson. He had a, a life lesson taught to him. Which was Hakar Satev. Recognition of something that someone did good for you. As soon as someone said Moshe, he remembered Batya Baspare. He remembered how she saved him and pulled him out of the water. Whereas Mitzrayim, Leizacharas Yosef, they did not remember Yosef. Although Yosef saved their nation, Yosef should go down in the history books as the savior of Egyptian Egypt. And Leizachar, they didn't remember him. Ironic. Hakaras Hatev. What's the kunz? Big deal. Guy did me a major favor. I was making a wedding, and the guy gave me all the money for the wedding. I didn't have the money. The guy gave me all the money. Did he do me a favor? No. He gave tzedakah, which ultimately was money that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to him to hold for when I have to make a wedding. So therefore, <coughs> do I have to have a karasatev to this person? Do I have to be thankful to this person? No. Not his. It's Hashem's. That's one attitude. The other attitude is, no. The fact that he was placed to be the messenger, the shtiach of HaKadosh Baruch is because I need to have a karasatev to him. I need to recognize the good that he did for me and always remember it and appreciate it and be thankful for it. The concept of Akara Satev is one that usually, that basically rises above Tam Vedas and Seichel. If you give me something to eat, I'm starving, dying of hunger, and you give me a morsel of food to eat, it revives me. By tomorrow, since I've not had another morsel of food in my mouth, I no longer remember what you did for me yesterday. It's no longer relevant <coughs> in my heart and my mind. When do we have a very sharp memory? When do we have a very develop a very sharp astute recollections? When someone does something wrong. Somebody wrongs you. Somebody does something bad to you. Wow. That's ingrained through and through. Through and through. And doesn't go out. And surfaces, it rears its ugly head time and time again. 
They didn't know Yosef. It was a very humbling thing. As they found out in the end, Yosef, they knew before, Yosef was brought up from, this, from the prison. He was known as not every a Jewish boy. And the fact that this Jewish boy took over the country, they couldn't they, they, had, they just couldn't grasp, they couldn't tolerate it. And therefore, Shalayadah Yosef. They did not want to remember. Everybody knew who Yosef was. And everybody knew all the good things he did, but the fact is he was a Jew. He was a Jew. And the unwarranted hatred towards the Jew remains. And although you should be thankful to all he did for you, no. The ultimate reaction, they did not remember him at all. But the truth is it doesn't say they did not remember him, it said they did not know him. They did not recognize him for his greatness, they did not recognize him for what he had accomplished. So Pashat Shemais, begins with a lifelong lesson. The lesson of Hakara Satayv. Of recognition of good that one does for a fellow person. Are you forever indebted to the person? No, that's not considered Hakara Satayv. You need to recognize though that this person did do good for you. And therefore, in your own way of possibility, a capacity, a capability, you treat that person that way. You filter out anything wrong that the person might have said, done, and you try to put it aside and you try to look for the good that the person did because this is the mission of our life our life mission is to be able to decipher good from bad be able to take the good from the bad apply the good over the bad as a matter of fact the life mission is not to even recognize there was bad if it's from Hashem there was no bad unfortunately People go through different stages. Different things happen through their lives. Sometimes physical, sometimes mental, sometimes uh, health-wise. And they go through these different potholes, these different bumps in the road. They get derailed. And they lose focus. And they forget practically who's running this ship. Me, Bora, either. tells us the Teda don't be Egyptian don't be in a, predic- in a situation where you say I don't know where I'm going to be sal- where my salvation whence my salvation will come where it will come from how it will come about 
I don't know if there is a salvation. I don't know if I'll ever see a, a light. I don't know if I'll ever be healthy. I don't know if I'll ever marry. I don't know if I'll ever have children. I don't know if I'll have a, all these doubts of the Yitzhahara that the Yitzhahara throws at the person and ingrains within the person. Rises over, supersedes all the good that Kharish Baruch Hu bestowed upon you. There are very many people that went through a lot more than their share. And therefore, it's not so simple just to tell them, rise up over it. They legitimately went through what they went through. <clears throat> and their task at hand is that much harder. Their life, their dedication and devotion that they need to have is that much deeper. They need to find themselves, they need to find the handle on things. They need to be able to take it into where it needs to be brought. They need to be able to apply it to what they really stand for, who they really are. We need to be able to say and open our capacities fully not letting down not becoming reckless not letting down our total guard but to open our capacity to the fullest so that we should be able to accept an unconditional love from HaKadosh Baruch an unconditional love that's poured upon us that we don't understand that we don't grasp and we don't realize and yes, we could be going through a lot of different crises, a lot of different inner turmoil, a lot of different things that we wanted to do, we didn't do, people that we wanted to tell them what we felt and what we appreciate and what we cared and we didn't. We didn't, we didn't show that karasatev that we felt we should have. And then we have those people that we'd rather stay away from. So be that. Don't fight them. Avoid them. But not to the level of Yosef. Not to a level of forgetting totally what the person ever, if the person ever did anything good for you, to eliminate that because there was bad involved as well. But to be able to understand, not to recognize if the person hurt a person, they hurt a person. Stay away. But if in the essence of the person, the person was a good person, and they insulted you, or they said something wrong, or did something, we need to decipher. We need to put it through. 
emuna, our betochen, our belief in Hashem. People get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for, quote-unquote, the therapy of these things. And they probably have a path which they build their, their theory on. Bottom line is, there is no one else but God. And this has to be a way that a person needs to approach everything that happens and believe it full-heartedly and accept it full-heartedly and say it came from Hashem and a patch from the Ebishter a, a smack either on the wrist or on the face from the Ebishter from Hashem Baruch Hu, is all good. One of the horrific, horrific decrees the Egyptians put down Melech Mitzrayim, Parach Melech Mitzrayim put down to the Israel. Kalaben Ayyid, Hayyedet Hashlichuhu, Kalabast Chayun. Every boy that's born should be thrown into the Nilos, and every girl should be let to live. With this decree, Parai had full intention of destroying totally the Jewish nation, eradicating the nation. Let's decipher the words that he's using. He says to throw the boys into the Nilos. Now obviously to throw a child, an infant into a river, the child does not know how to swim, the child will drown. Intention being to drown the, children, the boys. And then he says, but the girls should be made to live, they should be given life. If I told you already, throw the boys in the river, and the boys should be killed, what am I implying immediately about the girls? Obviously they should live. So why even mention those words? If it's a girl, let her live. All daughters should be let live. Sounds like a good thing. The explanation, in essence, of the words Kolobas was part of the same decree, part and parcel. Pari tells his nation, physically kill the boys. The girls, I want you to let them live, but as good Egyptian girls. Teach them our culture, teach them our way of life. I want them to become Egyptian. Raise them as Egyptian spirit. Let them forget that they're Jewish. Techayun. 
you give them life. You dictate to them how to live and what life is all about. This decree was worse than the boys. The physical physical destruction of killing a Jewish boy the fact of spiritually destroying a Jewish girl is worse. But they come hand in hand. But we know therefore that a spiritual death is worse than a physical one. And therefore, the fact they want to spiritually kill the Jewish girls was even worse than physically killing the Jewish boys. Life suggests or requests This is what he's been giving for the Jewish girls, the Jewish daughters. But this is also symbolized in not killing the Jewish boys by just hitting them in the head with a hammer, throwing them into the yard, into into the river, into the Nilus, the Nile River. It's known. The Nilus was a god in Egypt. Why? One of the reasons is because the Nilus would overflow and water the whole nation. They didn't have rain there. Yaakov blessed Parai that the water should be able to flow throughout the nation and therefore they, had, they were able to continue the irrigation. So there, what would happen was, and they say that Pari used to, oh, used to go out in the morning, he used to go to worship, he used to go pray by the Nilus. We know better. But this is their source of life. This is their bread and butter. In this bread and butter, Pari insisted the Jewish boys be thrown. So again symbolizing in the same vein a child who's still young and doesn't even know what a mitzvah is Pari is commanding to totally, totally saturate this child the understanding the person needs to make a parnosa needs to go out into the world needs to have pleasures of the world needs to have the joy and happiness of the of the Zara of, of, of the Egyptian culture. They should not have any Jewish education whatsoever. This too was a decree both boys and the girls. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, we are reliving the decree. There are those of the opinion that first and foremost one needs to have a future. 
one needs to have an education which with which they can make a proper livelihood. From a young age, they plant in the child's head all these different things, all these different careers that make money, that that are able to support a family. And that the most important thing in life is to be able to support your family. Because if not, you're not going to get anywhere in life. If you can't support your family, you don't have proper means, proper financial security, you're not getting anywhere on the society, in the society ladder. And therefore, they tell the child from a very young age, apply yourself to your studies, my child, so that you know very well, you choose a course, either to become a doctor, or become a lawyer, or become a, a, a accountant, an accountant, or even a therapist. But apply yourself so that you should be able to advance, and you should be able to know, and you should be able to do, and you should be able to make a nice living. This comes from that very same decree. And we are chas v'shalom jeopardizing our children. Because the most important is, truthfully, to give to the children a proper education, a proper Jewish education. They should know the widths, the depths, and the beauty of the Tata. And how this is our life, and this is a manual, this is an actual instruction booklet as to how a Jew needs to live their life. Children should learn in Jewish schools, Jewish organizations, and be able to pick up and to be able to devote and dedicate themselves and their lives to Tata and Mitzvahs. so too to raise the children, the Jewish children out of any deep deep roots without having the, the worry of what's going to happen in the future they have plenty of time when they get married to figure out how to live and we have told to remember if you educate the child properly, they have HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is the Zon Mufanis, who supplies and, and supports each and every Jew, each and every creation, and even from help from another fellow Jew. We can go on for five, six hours at least telling stories, miraculous stories of financial salvations. It's like to cite one mini story. Shliach in Auckland, New Zealand. When he started out there, I mean, today he still doesn't have any money, but he started out there with literally nothing. 
He was living actually in a room in a nursing home that they let him <laughs> hold out there. They had apparently other rooms, whatever it is. Until he moved to here, to there, he literally bounced from house to house. They needed food. In those days, not in those days, today they have the same issue. They have no really kosher outlet. I mean, he himself is a sheikhit. So chickens, he has to go shecht and clean and kasha. They would fly to Australia. A short flight, four hours. Yeah, I see to America. Anyway, a four hour, three, four hour flight, they flew to Australia. And they were going to go uh, shopping there. So they come into the kosher supermarket. And it's before Hanukkah. So they wanted to have things for Hanukkah in the Chabad house. And the wife turns to the Shliach and says, the Shlucha turns to the Shliach and says to him, what can we buy? In other words, what, how much money do you have in the account that we can buy? To which Shliach said, very straightforward, if you look in the bank account, don't even take a shopping bag. But if you look in HaKadosh Baruch bank account, grab a wagon and fill it up. No. Who has bigger amuna than a chassid, a shliach, a shlucha? She grabbed a wagon. And she filled up Hanukkah to make a Hanukkah like nobody has ever seen. Everything that you need for Hanukkah came to the checkout counter, and literally fellows ringing them up, scanning everything. <laughs> and the shliach is shuffling foot to foot. And he's already thinking what language to use to talk to the balabas, to the owner, to give him, to extend him credit. As they're about to finish ringing everything up, checking everything through, scanning everything through, he gets an alert on his phone. And he looks at the phone. Thank you. I get sound effects here. He gets an alert. And it says that he has now in PayPal, someone just sent him $500. 500 American dollars. Which gave him a few cents change from his shopping. Did he go to his college? He never went to college. What is his level of education? He's a Muslim. He has smicha. He's taking courses for other things, kedushin, whatever it might be. He's a shliach of the Rebbe. And he lives the life as a shliach of the Rebbe. And his wife as a shlucha. And they ask no questions. And a pu'ula has to happen. They do the pu'ula whether it's a Menera parade, whether it's a Seder, whether it's giving and distributing matzah, distributing lulav and Mitzrayim. Even the lulav and Mitzrayim, every time he gets a lulav and the Hadassah Marovis is a miracle on top of miracles. And we've told the story about the lulav and already, also the Hadassah that showed up miraculously. 
we see therefore that yes, you might have a point by saying, you know, you better get a doctorate, you better get a PhD, you better get this, you better get that before you get married, so you should have because after all, when you're chasa emuna, when you lack in bitachin, you feel that you can support yourself. Wallbaum's grocery chain, big supermarket chain in New York, in America, I don't know where it used to be. I know New York for sure. Mr. Wallbaum came over from Europe. Rustig can't. Why did he know? He spoke Yiddish only. So he came into the shul and to the Bismedish and he said, Are you looking maybe for a shamus? Sexton and Shul, I can blame, I can read the Torah, I can dab for the Yomit, I can I'll collect Svarim, whatever has to happen. I just need a job. They said, cool, give us a problem. They were just looking for one actually. And he leaned, beautiful. He dabbed for the Yomit, amazing. Everybody was enthralled. Looked like an organized guy. He gave some ideas how to arrange this firm in the shul. They said, we're ready to hire you. Here's your contract. And it says here exactly how much we're going to pay you, how often we need to get a raise, and everything else. I said, Shkoyuch. He said, no, 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 you got to sign it. He said, sign it? I don't know how to sign. I can't write. Can't sign your name? Forget it. We'll get somebody else. Anyway, he went out a little bit very tzibrachin, actually. And he had a few kupkis, and he bought something with the kupkis, and he sold it, and he bought, and he sold, and he bought, and he handled, and handled, and handled, until he opened up the grocery store, until he opened up this magnificent chain called Walmart's. One day, they came to him for a check or for something, he needed his signature. So he writes three X's. He said, that's your signature? You don't know how to sign your name? He says, if I would not assign my name, I'd be a shamus in the shul. So the fact that I couldn't sign my name at the time, I was devastated. They wouldn't take me, and I wanted to be the shamus, and I wanted to have a panasa, somewhat of panasa. Instead, they pushed me out into the street, and Baruch Hashem, I became an Aisha. We don't know where the golden key lies. We're in, we're in the golden key lies. We don't know how it's going to be passed over to us. The fact is, unfortunately, wherever you walk, there's people going around collecting for Hanatskala. I can't give you factuality how many, how many of those people are real, genuine. But they're collecting for marriage, for weddings either their own or for somebody else. Why don't these people have a muzzle where somebody suddenly comes through in the 10th hour, in the 11th hour, or even in the 12th hour with the money for the wedding? We don't even know this. We never know where money comes from or how it works and how it, how it goes through.
Hakadosh Baruch Hu, liach esef, liach zavam Hashem because he lacks nothing, and therefore we need to believe with a full faith, a full heart, that everything comes from Hashem. Continuing in the Pasha, we read about the birth of Mesh, as we said before. And the sages tell us that he was born on the seventh day of other. And he passed away on the same day, not that same day, 120 years later. And the Gemara, if you keep a score at home, it's Megillah, you'd Gimel with Bez. The Gemara cites that Haman HaRosha made a, a raffle on which day to make his decree, which day would be the worst for the Jews. And other it came into Khadish other, he was very happy. It happened on Khadish other. Because that is the month which Mesha Rabbeinu passed away. What he didn't know is that Mesha was born then too, on the same very same date. Mesha lived and died 120 years exactly and died on his birthday. So literally, when you tell somebody at 60 years old you're halfway there, <laughs> on the 120th birthday you tell them, have a nice day. Because this is obviously the end of the line. From the words of the Gemara, Rashi explains what is In the words of the Imara, we are taught that on the day of a person's passing, he mistakenly thought this as a bad omen for the Jewish nation and therefore made his decree for that day, for that month. What he did not realize is that he was born in that month as well and birthed forgives for death. So says the Gemara. Now this whole thing begs the, begs, begs the question. It says, Tev yem amalas miyem hilvoldei. In Kehelis, it says that it's better the day of death than the day of birth. And the Medish explains why is the day of be- death better than the day of birth. Because the day of birth, the person doesn't know what's going to happen, what the person will be. I actually said this already once. But it's a relevant thing. Think to just I'm all about what we, our cycle is again. Once again, the world and life cycle. When a person passes away as a tzaddik, we know exactly what he became. We know who he's all about. When he's the world in peace. So what is the Maila, though, of Mesha Rabbeinu's birth? That it had within it the Kayach to forgive on the day of his death. What was Mesha? Who was Mesha? 
What made him different, separated him from all the other tzaddikim? We know that the Pasuk told us in the sixth parsha, when he was born, everybody saw he was good. The Chazal tell us, if you keep your score at home, you want a seita, you'd base him an aleph. When Meisha was born, the house filled with light. Bias means, signifies the body, which is the house which houses the neshama. By Meisha Rabbeinu, the day immediately as he was born, he was a bias. His gufa gashmi filled with light. In general, the Gufagashmi hides the Neshama. And the tafkir of the person in their life is to peel away at all these hidden, all these shells that hide within the body and to reveal the Neshama. And this is therefore the greatness of the Yemam of us, the day the person passes, on the day of the birth. Because then we know exactly how much, how successful the person was to reveal the light of his neshama to tear away, peel away all the things that the body hid. Whereas by Meshach Rabbeinu, we saw right away when he was born, the light burst out, it shone. Also by Meshach we see another thing. The day of his passing, had a mila at his birth. In that, the day that he was born, all the great Milas and all the schoolers and Kayach were not yet in play. What was the completion of the Mesha bin Zaveda? Came through the channels in which they presented themselves, only we saw by the Stalkus. But on this itself, Dafke, especially by Meshe Rabbeinu, there was a ex, an extra greatness on the time that he was born. Rather than the day that he passed. Because the light of his neshama, which is endless, is built in Muvelis, built in the Sinas Shinuyim, also could not change, was never changed. This light proved in itself how great his neshama was. Nothing can conceal it. Nothing can hide it. Now we understand why Dafke, the day of the birth of Meshe Rabbeinu, and the nullified the decree of Haman, the day of his stalkus, although it's a the day of Meshe's passing, although it's not a positive thing to talk about, it's the end of a life in the world. We can now, therefore, see how the root, the source of the decree of Haman comes about and how it's nullified. But after the fact that Chedeshada, Mesha was also born, and therefore, as we said, it's good birth. Is a good thing, just worthwhile, just enough, worthwhile, just enough of the fact that it forgives on the passing on death. The day the person is born forgives and puts aside all the negativity of the death. The day of the person is born and the person is on their birthday 
of Meshe Rabbeinu, the never-ending spirituality and Kedusha of his Neshama shone through. And therefore did not have any kind of effect and adverse effect. So therefore also the service, the actual Meshe Rabbeinu's passing away, the actual transpiring of that, is not something that ultimately had a caused a phlegm, a blem, a, a blemish on his neshama, but it gave him an ever, an everlasting merit which he left for the Jewish nation forever and ever perpetuated in the Jewish world, in the Jewish life. And this being one of the things, Mesha Rabbeinu, being our teacher, Mesha. We spoke also that he screams out, he's called out to the wicked person, why did you hit your friend? And then the person was talking about it, and the people were talking about it, they said, you're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian. When Mesha saw amongst Am Yisrael, the concept of Lush and Hara, what it causes between separation between Jews and the Machlekes within the actual essence of the Jewish nation. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose our nation to be one and to be complete and to be whole. And by this Pirudilulim, by this separation the Lashon Hara, which causes strife and rift between people, we're losing that. And therefore, Moshe was concerned, how will the Jews ever leave Egypt? And this has had to be fixed through, unfortunately, through the severity of the servitude, which broke their gaiva, and Mimela humbled them to an extent that they were tolerant from one another of one another, and they became ruim, they became fit to go on to this perpetual life with Akash Baruch Hu, and therefore they can nullify and they can rise up above, again, uh, above any other nation, and we become an Am Elam until the Gula Amitus Vashlema Bakarav Mamish, may we no longer have any strife no longer have any pain, no longer talk Lashon Hara, and we should merit in that, that we should see the Geulah, I apologize for this year being about eight and a half minutes short, shorter than usual, but circumstances had it as such. Shabbat Shalom to all, may we meet in Yerushalayim in our cages and Shabbos.